0: What would you like to hear? Dealer's choice. You know, it's always easy to beatbox, but when you're told to beatbox, it becomes a much more difficult thing to do. Come on. Don't worry. It's not going in the episode. I'm ready, Betty. <laughs> Who is Betty? I don't know. That's what I call you sometimes. Did you call
1: me Betty or Benny? Like Benny and the Jets? No, it was definitely Betty. Well, now I'm even
0: more offended. <laughs> well, clearly... Wow. Wow. <laughs> What well, color? Uh. Maybe if I just say it like I'm. Um, who's the Who's the the girl fish in Finding Nemo? Dora. Dory. Dora is a Nickelodeon cartoon <laughs> show. <laughs> Welcome to Cast Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this week, we talk about the summer of 2v2, cover the changing meta, and welcome CCGS North American champion, Oxalate, to the show. Boom. Woo! Episode 41. Let's go, baby. I can't can't believe we're here. We made it
1: somehow to 41. Um, and we do have a handful of stuff to talk about. So before we actually get into the wonderful bit with our buddy Oxlade, we uh, are going to go into some stuff like our weeks in the arena. So how did it go this
0: week? We're not going to talk about the 4th of July first. You jumping right into this week in the arena, dude. Oh, you want to talk about the 4th? All right. Tell me about your 4th, man. Pretty big day. Um, independence in America. Pretty important. (laughs) You know, you know, it's not not (laughs) something you just gloss over real, real simply. It's. It's when Will Smith uh, destroyed the alien race that tried to take over the planet. It's a very good point. And they did Mm -hmm. actually make a a remake of that recently. Uh, I haven't watched that one, though, so I'm not so sure how it is. I'm sure it's good. I refuse to watch it. It's not the same without Will. Totally agree. But aside from that, 4th of July was awesome. Went to a barbecue at my brother-in-law's house. Had a really good time. Played some games. Had a few brewskis. And watched some fireworks. Boom. You did, and
1: you did this from the comfort of, drumroll please,
0: your own home. That's right. My wife and I officially moved to North Carolina. How's it feel? Feels good, man. It's a little weird. You know, it's like went from a one bedroom apartment to like a four bedroom home with a two car garage and a backyard
2: so so much more sweet
0: life much more space down here in north carolina but um yeah we we're loving it because we got the new home there's plenty of stuff that we still have to furnish and decorate and there's a lot of things that go go along with with owning a home which never really knew until we just own one so hectic to say the least but it's it's a lot of fun We got a big project ahead of you, that's for sure. You can say that again. You got a big project
1: ahead of you, that's for sure. (laughs) I'm sorry, I had to. Um, My fourth was good. Nothing out of the ordinary. Lots of fireworks, lots of friends and family. Hung
0: out with the dog a lot. We, we, We did go on my friend's boat, so that was a ton of fun. When you were out there on the water, did you at least once even think about singing the song, I'm on a boat? I did, of course. That's like the first thing you think about when you're on a boat, right? I mean, that's what I would have done. Even if
1: I didn't sing it, I would have like pulled it up on my iPhone and just like played it out loud. I actually did a nice Captain Jack Sparrow at the, uh, at the front of the boat. I just put my arms out and I just kind of waited for the ship to go down. But luckily, we were, in a, we were in a good boat, so I didn't have to worry about it, grounding
0: out. But why's the rum gone? Exactly. Why is the rum gone? <laughs> Perfect. So now that we've got that out of the way, it was also Canada Day on July 1st, so we hope everybody had a great Canada Day up in Canada. Boom. So, how was your week in the arena? Hmm. I think this is... I I don't... I hate answering this question, especially when the season resets, because it is just super, super frustrating for me. I'm still using the Mortar Mauler. Um, Right now, I'm sitting at about 45... Hundred trophies, and I am legitimately playing people that are maxed out accounts. Mm. And I can beat maxed out accounts with the Mortar Mauler. It's much more difficult, don't get me wrong, but I have to find very, very complex ways of like getting elixir advantages and locking my mortar onto the tower once or twice during the match. But I mean, if I make one wrong move, the game is over, and I pretty much get three crowned because my cards are like level. Mostly level 11 and 12, um, except for my maxed out Mortar. That's right. You finally got your Mortar maxed, huh? I, I do. It's, it's, it's a level 13. It's my first maxed out card. It is a maxed out common, so it's the easiest kind to max out. But it's my first one. I was super, super excited. It took absolutely forever to do it. Um, and I'm not looking forward to maxing out anything else. I can't believe you had enough gold. Well, that's what happens when Supercell gives you like the double elixir draft challenges... That give you all that gold because I kind of saved it up because I was planning on this for a while. Right. So thank you, Supercell, for providing me the gold I need to make this happen. Boom. And you and myself, we both hit our all-time highs. Ah, for the most previous season.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So I was at 46.14
0: and you were at a whopping 5,026. Boom, dude. Yeah, the the last season was a struggle. I I don't know if you felt that way as well, but I feel like... So this past season, that most recently just went by, I felt like the ladder play was just significantly harder than it was previously. It was harder to climb, it was harder to progress. I, I couldn't put together long win streaks, um, and my wins would pretty much be fifty-fifty. I didn't get to five thousand trophies until the pretty much the last day of the season, with like a couple of hours left to go. Mm. And I thought it was just me for a little while, and then, you know, I went to like the the leaderboards in the game, you know how you can click on the little trophy button on like the, so like if you're on the main screen of clash Royale, you can click on like the top left icon button and it's like a trophy symbol. And it brings you to like the top players in the world and the top clans in the world. Right. Right. So if you noticed this season, the average trophy count of like the top tier players was significantly lower than it was previously. So I think they were hitting like 6,100 trophies. Whereas in prior seasons, they were hitting like 6,700 trophies. And that's a, huge difference and i'm not sure if that's because like maybe supercell tweaked something a little bit with the um like the matchmaking system or maybe the meta is just in a place where it's much more even and you know certain decks aren't just kind of overtaking everything but i don't know what the main reason was but i was just kind of happy to see that it wasn't just me (laughs) yeah no and uh, so despite having
1: amazing seasons did you get anything good out of your chest
2: ah
0: i did so, I made it to Master 1, and I had the option of picking um, one of two legendary cards. Are you ready?
1: I don't know. Am I ready? Let me see if I could pick the same one that you picked.
0: Electro Wizard mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. the Inferno Dragon. Hmm. Which do you choose? Good sir.
1: Well, I, I think just based on the skill of the card.
0: I would have personally picked the Electro Wizard, but I'm going to guess you didn't pick that. And you would be guessing correct because I wanted to pick the Electro Wizard so bad because I want to level him up to level three and I'm like one or two away at this point. But the Inferno Dragon was the only card in the game that I did not have in my collection. You got to pick it. So I went with the Inferno Dragon. (laughs) Yeah, you can't take a chance of not getting that card again. That's right, and we know that she's going to continue to be buffed, and eventually, like we talked about last episode, eventually she's going to be buffed so good that she's going to be such an overpowered card, because we don't... You and I both feel the same way about this card. There's no middle ground. She's either going to be not used at all, or she's going to be, like, super, super good and has to be included in your deck. And yep. you and I both are waiting for that time to come, and we will both be ready. No, definitely. Um, And
1: I didn't really get... uh. Too many good things in my chest. I can't even remember that. That probably shows you that it wasn't that good of a draft chest. I'm sure I got like a ton of uh, cards and a lot of gold, but nothing that stands <laughs> out. I certainly didn't get a. I certainly didn't get a legendary.
0: I'll tell you what, guys. Here's what I do know. I opened up that chest. I did, and in each in each round, I picked one of two options, and I got gold and cards out of it. And Done. they let
1: me keep one of each of the two cards that <laughs> I picked.
0: That's a great recap if I've ever heard one.
1: That's all I got because I don't remember
0: anything that happened. Uh, It was uneventful, let's put it that way. Boom. So now the only card that I don't have in my collection is the bats, seeing as they just came out this weekend. There will be more cards that you don't have. You're right, but we don't know when they're coming out yet. Right. Good point. Touché, sir. Time will tell. That was a very sinister laugh over there. (laughs) I've never done that before, so... Felt,
1: felt pretty good. That was pretty good. Boom. So, before we go into the news, do
0: you want to give your quick shout out? Ah, yes. So, one of the most frequently asked questions that Rob and I get is Can we join your clans? And we're always like, Of course, you can join our clans. Just search Cast Royale and any one of the 13 friendly clans that we have, you can feel free to join. But if you don't feel like joining one of the Cast Royale clans and you'd like to join a very active, family friendly, And friends of Cast Royale crew, you can check out Project 926. All one word, no spaces. Project 926, and the other clan is Project 927. They are both very family-friendly. They are run by our friend Hershey. His real name is Orion, and he is an awesome, awesome dude. Be sure to check them out. And in the invite, be sure to put the word podcast so you can let him know that you came from here. Friends of Cast Royale. Project 926927,
1: boom. So we had a couple of challenges happen in this game over the last week and a half. Yeah, we did. Bats. Bats. Bats on bats on bats on bats on bats.
0: Bats on bats on bats on bats. (laughs) (laughs) Did you win? Did you play? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Little brother never leads. Ooh. I played. I played played. too. (laughs) I played. Guess what happened? Tell me. I didn't win. I.e., you didn't get the bats?
1: Yeah, I was one game away, but to be fair, I only had, like, 18 gems, right? So, obviously, Supercell gives you the first round free, so I played. I didn't do too hot while I was playing, um, but it warmed me up a little bit because I was still trying to get used to the card. Um, right. The second time, though, I got very close. One game away, didn't get it, and then when I lost, I didn't really feel like buying more gems just to play the challenge. I figured it's a common card. I'm going to get it eventually. So if so facto, I
0: still don't have them. I totally agree with you. To be honest with you, this was the first challenge where they were releasing a card that I did not get the card. Oh, rub it in, Joe. Rub it in. I don't mean to say that to sound pompous. I'm just saying it because like it was the first time that it happened. And like I went into this challenge thinking, Oh, if I could do the Electro Wizard challenge, and oh, if I could do the Night Witch challenge, then I can definitely do the Bats challenge. But dude, like I played these cards, and I I think my strategy was to take the Bats because I felt like with the Night Witch coming out, and she got nerfed real hard three different ways, all to her Bats and not to her at all, right? Right. And so I basically went in with this attitude of the Bats have to be the most overpowered thing in the game, not... Really, but figuratively, and you know they have to be just a really, really good card. And so I figured, like every single time that I had an option of taking them in the draft challenge, I would. But I don't know, man. I felt like when I used them, I just I couldn't make them work. And I don't know if it was just I had bad decks, but I didn't play once. I played like four or five times. Spent quite a few gems on it, and uh, I fell short every single time. Very frustrating. But I mean, like you said, it's it's a common card, easiest kind of card to get. And I have no doubt in my mind that I'm going to get them very shortly after they come out because of, you know, the, the common theme of just them pumping cards into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but after seeing them played, I am not so sure that I think they're as powerful as I thought they were going to be.
1: Which is funny because I actually had the same mentality as you when I was doing the challenge. Um, and I always tried to take them because I felt like when I didn't get the opportunity to pick them, the other person took them. And destroyed me. So, I kind of felt like I had to take them. But then when I took them, I lost. So, it
0: didn't work either way. It was just a bad challenge all around. We were in the same boat, dude. I mean, (laughs) I just... I felt like... We kept talking about the fact that, like, if you get the skeletons, the skeletons are very good. They're very versatile, right?
2: Mm -hmm. And these
0: things are, like, literally flying versions of skeletons. They're flying versions. They're melee troops. Health equals the damage. They attack pretty consistently. And... You know, at the end of the day, maybe I'm just using them wrong. Maybe I'm like, maybe I'm using them as a as a skeleton replacement, whereas in theory you should be using them as like a minion replacement. Um, and they serve different purposes, right? Like they can't distract ground unless the ground troop attacks air. Like they aren't going to distract elite barbarians, and they're not going to kill elite barbarians either. So, yeah, that's a good
1: point. Um, Although I, I, I still feel like the minions serve a different purpose, too.
0: Like, would you use minions to distract something in the air? No, but to be honest with you, I'm not sure I would even use the um, the, the bats to distract something in the air. Like, mm-hmm. I would use them as true damage per se. I would use them as true DPS. Like, I would use them as cheap troops to, you know, attack the balloon and make the balloon hover around them as opposed to just have a straight beeline to the tower. I would use them to take out a lava balloon. Um. A lava lava. <laughs> right. I, and maybe I, have something else tank the tower. That's right. But I, 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 I guess in short, I don't know the right way to use these cards. And mm. that came through very apparently when I was playing this challenge because I, I could not shrink together more than like three or four wins. And it was super disheartening.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Do you like the card, regardless of how you feel about
0: whether you know how to play it yet? Oh, absolutely. I think it's an awesome card. I think it's. Perfect to have in the game. It makes sense to have since the Night Witch is in the game and spawns these troops. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I need to see a deck where they are used in and of themselves, not just that they're in the deck because of the Night Witch. I need a deck that this card is included in and is an important piece of and has a very specific role and I need to see how that works. Otherwise I feel like I just won't be able to use it well. Yeah, it's a good point. Um Well,
1: speaking of challenges, you did win another challenge this week, right? We had a furnace Challenge. Loved the furnace Challenge, dude. Did you play? No, I actually uh, had something else going on and completely forgot that
0: this challenge was a thing. And to be honest with you, I did too. And I opened up the game one day, and one of my clan members in Cast Royale 2, his name is Shmaniki. And Shmaniki... Is actually in our clan as an alt. It's like his mini account. His main account is Shmanic, and he is a member of Reddit Alpha Woody's Clan. Ah, cool. He posted a replay of his sixth win in the game, and basically, you had to just take a deck that included the furnace. It was kind of mm-hmm. like the Electro Wizard challenge. You remember that challenge where they gave you yes. the they gave you a deck. It had seven open slots, but the um, the Electro Wizard had to take up the one spot, and it was locked in. And they kind of did that same thing with the um. Was it the Wizard Challenge and the Battle Ram Challenge? Mm-hmm. So they did the same thing with the Furnace Challenge, and Shminiki posted a replay of a Pekka deck that included the Battle Ram Pekka, um, and some other cards. I'm not going to list them all, but a very, very awesome deck. And we actually posted the deck and the six six wins on Twitter. Um, so if you want to go check that out, you can see it there. But the deck went six and zero on the first try. It was a super, super good deck, and Highly recommended it. I thought this challenge was pretty good. I felt like the decks weren't really meta-driven. Like, I felt like with every other challenge where they locked in a card for you, an automatic meta just kind of came out of it. But with Mm -hmm. this one, I feel like the Furnace is used in so many different kinds of decks. I was just going to say the same thing. So it's hard to just say, like, oh, it's going to be a Royal Giant deck. Because it it very well could be. But it also could be a Giant Graveyard deck. Mm -hmm. Could be a Golem deck. Could be a Golem deck I, I do feel like it did favor the um, beat down style play. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, I, I saw successful you know, minor control decks with the Furnace as well. So you know, at the end of the day, I just thought this challenge was a really good one because it added versatility to the challenges and didn't seem like a struggle and a, and a grind when you were in the games. I'm surprised you didn't see a lot of swarm decks. But I, you know, it's funny, dude, that you say that because I thought the exact same thing. And when I saw Shminiki's deck, like if you just go to Twitter, if you go to at Podcast Royale and you check our most recent tweets, one of the most recent ones is going to be the 6-0 Furnace Challenge win. And we posted a picture of the win with also the deck. When you you look at the deck, you wouldn't think that it's good against Swarm Troops. And the first thing I thought of was that you were going to see lots of Swarm decks. But then the more I thought about it, I was just like, well, why would people play Swarm decks versus a Furnace? Those die, right? right. Um, you have the furnace, you throw in a log and or a zap, or just a fireball or a poison, and you have yourself a, it's pretty much game over if you're facing the swarm deck, you pretty much win. So, I thought the same exact thing, and then when you played a couple of games, you realized that people weren't going that route. And if they did go that route, they very quickly fell apart. Yeah, I, I could actually see that happening. I'm,
1: I'm almost glad that I didn't play this challenge, uh, because as much as I like the Furnace and the idea of it as a card, it annoys me so much when I'm facing it, so I think
0: it would drive me crazy. Yeah, the, I like the Furnace a lot as a card. The only time I ever truly used it in a deck is when we worked with Tag from Nova, and he gave us the Tag You're It deck, and it was like that control-oriented graveyard deck. Mm-hmm. and I was thinking about taking that deck with me, and then I was just like, you know what? We'll go with Shamanic's deck, because he 6 0 it, so why not? I, Boom. I'm going to leave that deck at home. I'm going to put that one to the <laughs> side. I'll, I'll pick that one back <laughs> up later. That's going on the shelf. <laughs> Frame it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so those were the two challenges. Um, we also have embarked on the wonderful journey of the summer of
0: 2v2 yeah we did I mean, they also very i guess most recently they also gave the 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 two v two draft challenge, and those are always kind of quirky, right um never really know what to expect with those i guess it's just a a true hodgepodge of everything on the map and it, it really you know, is it, it's like it never synergizes or it like there's no middle ground it's not like two decent decks that kind of work together. It's always just like it doesn't work at all, and it's just a a really funny game. Or it works way too well, <laughs> and you're like, "How did these people get these cards?" Uh, but it was a really good segue into the summer of two v two. So, I'm loving the two v twos. What are your thoughts on them? So honestly,
1: okay, so I love the idea, and we talk about this all the time. I love the idea of having another avenue to play this game that doesn't involve grinding the ladder, because there are points where, like, I hit in my ladder journey where I just I don't want to play anymore. Not because I'm angry, just because I don't feel like playing, it's like, it's draining me. Um, or there's another point where I just hit a wall, and I know that there's a there's a death spiral coming. So I don't want to I don't want to risk that. So playing the two v two is another way to play, and it doesn't mess up my trophy count. It doesn't cost any gems, and it lets me keep going with my cycles of my chests, which is fantastic.
0: Right. So it's not on a separate cycle of your chest. So if you're next chest that you're supposed to get from a ladder match is going to be a legendary chest and you play a 2v2 instead, you'll still get that legendary chest. It's not like two separate things, right?
1: Right. It's fantastic. It's it's probably one of my favorite things about the whole feature. And to be fair, like I don't play it, I don't play it a lot, um, you know, just when I'm trying to take a break, like I said, from the ladder. But I think my favorite thing about the whole summer of 2v2 in general is that it's there for 30 days. We get to try it. Hopefully, they keep this feature in the game. But I love going into the game thinking that I'm going to play Ladder and I get an invitation from someone to join them in a 2v2 game. Oh, I totally agree. I get so excited when someone, because I'm, I'm friends with everyone now, because everybody sent me their friend link. So I'm <laughs> always playing with friends. people. I can't, yeah, it's never a bad thing, right? So I love playing with other people. It's like so much fun. And you know you never know what kinds of decks you're going to play with, and I just feel like you can get some really cool, unique combinations of play style, especially if you've never played with that person before or you've never seen them play before.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. It it adds that element of the game where it's just additional camaraderie, it's additional community building, it's additional friends, right? Like that aspect of the game away from the ladder, away from the trophies, is exactly what we needed. And on top of that. It's so much less stressful. Oh, yeah. No, I I totally agree. Although, I will say this. I mean, there are a couple of things that, like, I love the 2v2s, and don't get me wrong. I think we're both on the same page. We think that they are fantastic, right? But here are two things that I really, really wish were a little bit different. Um, And before I dive into this, I just want to make very clear that I love the 2v2s. Two things. One, when you're in a 2v2 match, it's a little annoying that the person that you're playing with And the people that you play against are not tourney capped and that they are call it out in the wild. So like their normal card levels are the levels that you're going to play with as if you were in the ladder. Right. And what it does is it averages out your King level to make sure that it's not too high or too low. And it matches you versus someone that's kind of on that same average. The other thing, if you're playing with someone random because there's no, there's really nothing on the line, right? Like You're not Mm -hmm. in the ladder, so you're not playing for trophies, which means that if you lose, you're not losing trophies, right? So there's really nothing to lose. There's only something to gain. For example, if you win, you can get crown chests for your clan. Or if you win, you can get crown chests for your, you know, your crown chest, your personal crown chest. Fair point. But if you lose, nothing bad happens. So if people don't want to play or they don't like the matchup, they can just leave. And it kind of, you know, it leaves their. (laughs) their teammate high and dry and (laughs) well now what now what do I do in a in a 2v1 situation right yeah I wish that the if people leave the remaining player gets kind of compensated like maybe he gets double elixir until his opponent comes back or still gets gold or something for trying yeah and I and I think mostly where I was going with my first point which was things should be at 20 caps Mm -hmm. is if I match up With a random person, like let's just say I don't shoot for a friend, like instead I just go for a 2v2 random battle. Right. What if the person that I'm playing with has like level 1 epics, or level 8 commons? It's not really going to be a fair matchup, and those commons are going to get, like if if he throws down like a level 8 minions, it's going to get zapped and killed. I feel like if everything is at least twenty capped, it makes it a little bit more fair for people who are above the cap or some people who are way over-leveled in cards, especially if you get matched up with someone who's a very casual player um, that just doesn't have card levels for everything but just wants to play for fun with cards that maybe they don't normally play with. I'm actually on the exact same page as you. Yeah, and and like I said, I don't want to be too critical. I think if I could, I would change neither of those two things to keep 2v2s forever. I'm just making two points about them. And Clash Royale actually posted something on Reddit where they acknowledge the fact that this was version 1.0. It's the direction that they want to go in. They know it's not final. They're going to work on things to make it better and and more in line with what people want. But at the end of the day, we all love it. We think it's awesome. And we can't wait for version 1.1. Boom. Yeah, it definitely
1: definitely needs to be a permanent feature. It's so good. It's so good. Even with the couple of... You know things that we'll quote-unquote call as
0: flaws, because obviously we said it's 1.0. Right. I mean, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but I totally agree with you. This thing needs to be permanent.
1: Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it, right? That was all the news that really happened this week. That was it. But we do
0: have a meta check from our boy, Lord Christmas. Meta check. That's right, our boy Devin from Cast Royale 2 coming through yet again with another awesome meta check. So are you ready for the numbers? I'm ready. Dude, the Night Witch is still dominating. Even after her three nerfs, she's currently sitting at 34% usage rate at the top of the ladder. Wow. That's good enough for third overall. In other words, the third most used card in the top ladder decks. And the top win condition card in the game. That's crazy, even after so many nerfs. That's true, and most people would not really consider her like a true quote unquote win condition, because win conditions are typically things that happen quicker, right? Like the graveyard or you know the the hog rider or the rocket or things like that, but let her sit on your tower for like two or three seconds and let's see how much damage she does. It's all about those bats, man. Hashtag win condition, baby. So she (laughs) is not going anywhere. I do think, though, the nerfs that happened to her did make her more balanced, and I don't think currently she sits as a quote-unquote overpowered card, but what mm-hmm. I do think is that people are finding very, very versatile ways to utilize her her kit, and it, it works out really well in the arena. So what's next? So that's the top win condition card in the game, but let's talk about things that aren't used at all by the top players. Are you ready? I'm ready. Elite Barbarians, 0%. Really? Cannon, 0%. Hmm. Royal GG, no. 0%. No, I don't believe it. Mortar, 1%. (laughs) No. Barbarians, 2%. So let's put this into perspective, okay? Ooh, we will never be a top player. (laughs) How often do you see Elite Barbarians... Royal Giants, Barbarians, and Cannons. I don't typically see Mortars myself, but I'm a Mortar player, but I don't see a lot of Mortars where I currently sit. But I do see lots of Cannons, lots of Elite Barbarians, lots of Royal Giants, and lots of Barbarians. Yep. Isn't it funny that 500 trophies less than the top players in the world currently, right, because the season just reset... Mm -hmm. The meta check was done just as the season reset. I'm only 500 trophies less than the quote unquote top players in the world. I'm sitting at 4,500 trophies and they're at 5,000 trophies. And I see all four of those cards all the time. Yeah. But the top players in the world don't use them. It is interesting. Why is it that those cards get you to the top but cannot be used
1: at the top? I, I guess that's because they're over-leveled at the level that we're at, and they're pretty easily counterable at the higher levels, maybe?
0: Well, that's right, because the people at the higher levels are all maxed out, and there is no over-leveled anything anymore, right? So you lose the advantage of, if you look at it, all of the cards that I just mentioned are all common cards, right? Right. So they're very easy to max out, so you can have a very good advantage at lower-level trophy counts. But once you get to the maxed-out accounts, and you're... You're playing against the top players in the world, you lose that advantage. Everything becomes a level playing field, and you don't really succeed with those cards anymore because they're very easily countered once everything's on a a level playing field. Right. Like you said, nothing is over-leveled. Everything is just leveled. They're just leveled, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) And two more things I'd like to very quickly point out. The knight is steadily increasing in the rankings. If you remember a few weeks back on a couple of episodes back, we said that the knight wasn't really used that much mostly it was replaced by the ice golem. Over time there's been a shift with the ice golem going down and the knight going up. I think people are really starting to realize the value that the knight has for 3 cost, the health pool that it has, the ability it can do to tank, direct damage away from your other troops, soak up damage, but also it does a lot of damage itself. It really does, though. For three costs, it has a very versatile kit for being a singular ground troop that moves relatively slowly across the map and is melee. I mean, it costs three, guys, and it is fantastic. So (laughs) Pay attention, people, right now. (laughs) This is is the one tip you need from the whole episode. (laughs) The knight costs three elixir. Use it in your decks, people. (laughs) No, but seriously, it, it is becoming a tremendously viable option in a lot of different decks it is a very versatile card and people might just see it as a tank but it can also be used as a support troop and with those two abilities in multiple kinds of decks you can get tremendous value out of it and last but not least the saddest piece of news that i've ever read from a meta check this one brought a tear to my eye brought pain to my heart Hmm. tore my soul out of my body You've captivated my attention. Now I need to know the ending. The skeletons are plummeting. No! Plummeting. Although I'm not surprised. From the top, from the most used card in the game alongside the log, they've withered themselves down to a larry nothing.
1: <laughs> ah, that's
0: so true and so sad at the same time. You like that, right? Ever since Ledute, our boy Larry has, he's gone rip. They're just not as good anymore. I mean, I still use them in my deck, but I mean, I'm not a top player in the world, so what I use is kind of irrelevant. <laughs> that's tr- it's true, and they st- they still kind of work in our deck. I totally agree. So that's the Meta Check. There are a few more things, but we will attach the Meta Check file in the show notes, to so be sure to check it out if you have any questions or want to see what it's like. Boom. Boom. And now we also have a handful of chests to open. Yeah, we do. I am super excited. How, how excited are you right now? I don't know if I've ever been more excited for, for a chest opening ever before. This could literally be the chest opening that ends the podcast. Blows up the world, ends the podcast, and it's all over. So what do you got? I've got a clan chest, I've got a crown chest, and then I've got a couple of big dogs. A couple? Ooh, I got a crown chest, a clan chest, and a singular big dog. You have a single big dog. One. Non-plural. One less than two. Correct. See, you can do math. Everybody says you can't. Oh, can I just clear something up real quick? (laughs) Can I just... I'd like to take this moment to clear something up. (laughs) I'm
1: sorry I had to say Thank you
0: for bringing this up. You're welcome. I would love to just quickly, quickly apologize to everyone for my poor math skills. On the last episode, I had a whole spiel about how stacking rages would work one way versus another way and i completely wrote it backwards so my math was right and said it completely wrong and i apologize and you do people's taxes hey man i never said i did them right
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes oh man
0: all right can we open some chests now let's do it so I guess under this circumstance, seeing as you only have a big dog, I do have to go first, and I don't you like do. it. You I know, do. I know, I know it pains you to know that you have to do this. All right, I'll do the clan chest first. Are you ready? I am absolutely ready. 10 of 10 clan chest. Here we go. 7 cards, 1620 gold, 14 minions, 3 fireballs, 6 heals... 85 Elite Barbarians, 18 Bomb Towers, and 141 Barbarians. Oh, one more. Three Executioners. Boom. Nice. That, that was not so good bad. I mean, the, the Elite Barbarians and the, the Bomb Tower, even the Barbarians themselves are a little bit awkward, but Heal Spell's pretty good, Fireball's really good, and Executioner, Boom Swag. Well, we literally just learned a couple minutes
1: ago that those two particular cards aren't used at the top, so if you want to get there, you have to use them now. That's right. I should be over-leveling those cards to get there. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the game giving you a sign. Boom. So, my clan chest, 10 out of 10. You ready? Ready. 1,620 gold. Boom. 2, battle ram. Okay. 3, goblin huts. Blech. Six heal spells. 16 dart goblins. Hmm. 113 bombers. (laughs) 128 Tesla towers. If that's not the most useless card I've ever opened. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. I know that there are fans of this card, but that that was terrible. Not a fan. And the last card, two
0: expos. Expo! I love siege decks, man. That's a solid. That's a solid epic. Well, now, now I like siege decks. <laughs> you right. can thank Woody for that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. All right, crown chest. Are you ready? Yes. Five hundred and eighty-six gold. Nice. Two gems. Not too bad. Ooh, getting ready for challenges. That's right. 16 cannons. Useless at the top. 18 knights, Mortar Mauler, baby. All right. 40 arrows, Mortar Mauler, baby. Let's go. And eight hog riders. Ayo. And I don't use hog rider, but I and I literally had zero hog riders before this because every single person in the clan just requests these non-stop, so now I have eight Hog Riders to donate, which feels good. I actually just gave one away a minute ago. Boom. My crown chest, are you ready?
1: I'm ready. 625 gold. Two gems. (laughs) Okay. 18 royal GGs. GG. 19
0: spear goblins.
1: 37
0: zaps. Zippity zap, don't talk back. <laughs> and eight wizards. Not the best crown chest. Not the best crown chest. No, I was just gonna say
1: that. I guess I'll I'll take the gold and the gems.
0: <laughs> I will always take those. I will happily <laughs> take them. That's what I'm gonna take. Alright, we've got some big dogs. What's your first big dog? First big dog is a magical chest. Ooh. Are you ready? Oh, couldn't be more ready. This is the moment. This is where it happens. Seven cards. All right. 1,200 gold. One rocket. Mortar muller. Four dart goblins. Okay. 29 cannons. Man, what is happening? Six musketeers. Okay. 65 fire spirits. 14 elixir collectors. I think that was the first time I ever heard you call it an elixir collector. You're right. 14 elixir pumps. Right. And four balloons. Ooh. No legendary in that chest. No legendary, but how do you feel about those loons? I love the chest, though. That was a very good chest. Love the rocket, love the loons. I'm a fan of the Dark Goblin. Boom. All right, so you're up. What kind of big dog do you have? I also have a magical chest. Uh
1: Uh-oh. Here we go.
0: With your luck, you're definitely going to get a legendary. Well, maybe, but if it doesn't happen, then the worlds won't collide. That's correct. All right, here we go. 1,200 gold. Okay. One heal spell. Not too shabby. 15 Teslas. Eh, not a fan. They heard me. Loud and clear. <laughs> Three battle ram. Okay. Thirty-four zaps.
1: Forty-six Royal GG. <laughs> oh no.
0: Twenty Bomb Towers. This is this is not so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not this not is getting good, worse Joe. and worse every it's car. Not, not looking good. Last card Four lightnings. Lightnings are good, so that was the oh. best. That was the best <laughs> card in, in your chest. I'll take the lightnings and the gold. And no legendary. Thankfully, they raised the reward on magical chests. I totally agree. all right. I've got two more big dogs. You have two, two more? Two more. Are you ready? Oh, I, I don't an, know. I have an epic. And then I have a super magical chest. Oh, I'm ready. So we'll start with the epic. Three cards. Executioner. Two of them. Five princes. Five Pekas. Okay. And eight poisons. Ooh. Dude, that was huge. Wow. Just let me read that back to you. 2 Executioners, 5 Princes, 5 Pekas, and 8 Poisons. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That was 20 Epics. Wow! And all Epics that are actually very good. I completely agree with that statement. Alright, last chest. Oh man, this is it. Here we go. Here we go. Super Magical Chest. Boom. 7 Cards... Mm-hmm. 6,600 gold. Cool. Not starting off, we're not starting off so hot, dude. It's not, it's not a good sign. 28 bombers. <laughs> no. No. I know it's good, but no. Ooh, this one's good. 21 battle rams. All right, that's good. This one's good too. Motor mauler, baby. 22 rockets. All right. 537 cannons. I don't know if I've ever opened up a cannon on the show and then the one, <laughs> the one day when we say that no one at the top uses them, oh, I get 537 of them. I'm not liking my chances here, dude. <laughs> Let's just quit while we're behind. Next card. 104 musketeers. Ooh. That was that's huge. Good. Mm-hmm. 25 baby dragons. And I've got one more card. Could it happen? (gasps) The Inferno Dragon! No! Dude! Dude, the Inferno Dragon. I just got her because I shouldn't have gotten her in my my draft chest. Why did I pick her? That's amazing. This game does not like you. It doesn't like me at all, but now I have enough <laughs> Inferno Dragons to have a level two. Well, that's, that's fantastic. So we never shy away
1: from a Legendary here, even if it's a Sparky.
0: Or even if it's an Inferno Dragon that I only <laughs> got in my draft <laughs> chest because I needed the full collection, and then I got it right now. What luck is this? This is, this is the Boom Man luck. Oh, I'm telling you, dude, as soon as... As soon as they buff this card one more time, you're going to be wishing that you had this card. <laughs> I, I am, because I
1: still don't have it. You still don't have it? No, so I wish I got it. So I am very jealous of you. So the fact that you have two and I've gotten zero, I'm a little envious.
0: I apologize, Rob. No, you're If it makes good. you feel any better, I will at some point include it in my deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel tons better.
1: So that was a pretty fantastic chest opening, if I do say so myself. Mainly because you got a
0: legendary. One day, dude, the both of us will get one and the world will collapse. The podcast will blow up and we will stop doing it. Boom. Boom. Alright, so coming up, we actually have a
1: very special guest who took the time to hang out with Joe and I. Um, and I think I'm actually gonna let Joe do the introduction because Joe's been talking to him for quite some time recently.
0: And I may or may not be a total fanboy. Joe's giddy over here. Super, super (laughs) happily welcome Oxalate to the show. Oxalate, welcome to the show, my friend. What's up, man? How's it going? Good to be here. (laughs) Not too bad. And those of you who do not know, Oxalate is the North American champion of the CCGS finals, which just happened this past weekend. Why don't you do us a favor? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Give us your background and that kind of thing. All right, so yeah, I'm Oxalate. My actual name is Ian Smith. I'm from Pennsylvania in the United States, kind of in the more southern eastern region. I like snowboarding, tennis. I actually played on my high school team for tennis, so I'm really into that. And besides Clash Royale, I really don't play that many video games. Really? Just Clash, huh? Pretty much just Clash Royale. And um, it's kind of funny because... My younger brother actually started playing the game before me and he showed me the game and I didn't really think it was that good. Um, I never played Clash of Clans or anything like that. That's
0: hilarious. That's like the complete opposite of Rob and I because he actually started the game first and he's the older (laughs) brother. And our motto is that the little brother never leads. That's it. That's what we say. It's the complete opposite with you and your brother. But we've got to tell you, we're super happy that your brother played this game to start because otherwise you wouldn't be the champion right now, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I have a question. I
1: have a quick question for you, right? So you're from Pennsylvania. Do you particularly like Scrapple?
0: Scrapple? Uh, It's okay. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I'll eat it. (laughs) I think we would both be on the same page with you as well. But let's dive into it. We've got a couple of questions for you, Oxalate. Rob, you want to kick it off?
1: Yeah, so uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a nice softball because I think this is the best way to kind of start off any sort of interview. Mm-hmm. Let me get your
2: favorite card and why. So I would say, even though a lot of people think of me as a, more of a graveyard player, I would say my favorite card in the game right now is probably the Bandit. I just love the way it dashes. It's so unique. I don't know. The Bandit?
0: And you whipped out the Bandit in, in, in the CCGS Finals. Is that not the case? I did. I did in my uh, Pekka deck. So, so what do you think makes her so good? I mean, do you? Th- I guess my question is, do you think that she's viable now given the most
2: recent balance changes that happened? Or did you use her before those as well? So I did use her a little bit before the balance changes, mainly in like minor control kind of decks. But once the Night Witch came out, it just completely shut it down. And its dash effect just wasn't ex- like as powerful as it is now. So, sure. yeah, it's just really strong right now. And it's hard, very hard to deal with because you have to distract it. And if you wait just one second too long, it's on your tower. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, to your point before,
0: I think that the balance changes really amplify that a little bit because there are yeah. so many times where you could just barely kill her. But now it's not so much the case. Yeah. Also, I mean, she's, she's like the
1: only card that at some point in her attack move becomes completely invincible
0: exactly yeah it's a very good point so now that we've cleared the softball we've kind of cleared the air gotta move Mm -hmm. into the hardball territory now (laughs) yeah you feel real comfortable with the podcast world now let's move on to the esports scene so you mentioned your little brother got you into the game Mm -hmm. you started playing it you didn't really play any other games when did you start to get competitive and what's that journey been like for you
2: So, when I first started playing the game, it was very casual, and I just kind of played with my friends at school. And then I started slowly getting a lot more addicted to it. I started staying up really late at night, not realizing what time it was. Uh, And then I actually ended up joining Ash's clan, not Clash with Ash, the other one. And he started to teach me a lot of strategies, a lot of small things. And then I noticed myself getting a lot better, being able to beat my friends at the game. And that's when I started getting more competitive. And then this year, I actually tried out for Hammer Esports. Uh, Surgical Goblin actually invited me to try out, and I ended up doing decent in the tryouts, but still not that good. And then I just started playing the game a ton more because I started getting involved in small leagues and things like that. And then eventually I got contracted, and then this event happened. That's amazing.
0: And I assume you got contracted with Hollywood Hammers. Yes. And what has that experience been like? Could you tell our listeners a little bit about the clan, the culture of the clan, the people that are in it?
2: and just the organization itself. So the clan is really, really unique in that we have practices like every single week. We're always involved. We're always analyzing our opponents and just trying new strategies and trying to think what the best way to beat them is. So we're really involved. We're almost like a family. We all know each other really well, almost in real life too. That's awesome.
0: Rob and I often see the hashtag
2: HamFam on Uh Twitter. (laughs) Is that just a play or do you guys really feel like that? I think we really feel like that. I mean, we obviously don't all know each other in real life, but we talk every day on the internet. We're always playing with each other. So we kind of know more about each other than your average person would.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think, you know, one thing that I noticed when you were just saying what you were saying is that you referred to everything as we. Mm -hmm. In Clash Royale, a lot of people think that the competitive scene is a single person, single player game. But a lot of other people think that it's a team game. Do you Mm -hmm. think
2: one way or the other? Well, the sport itself is a one v one, but yeah, I definitely agree that it's definitely more of a team sport. Since without your team, without playing with the best players and trying to discuss strategies, you really can only get so much better. Well, right,
1: you need you need that support system, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what we try and do here. I mean, I don't I don't really know how successful we are every time we do a podcast episode, but we try. Uh Um, and the people that we yeah, I mean, and the people that we've met and the, the tips and strategies that we share, even just in something simple as our, our Discord channel, have, have really helped escalate not only the people that we talk to, but us in general.
0: Mm-hmm. So Ox, let's talk about the very first match in CCGS when you
2: finally made it to California. Uh-huh. You did something extremely unique. Do you remember what that was? Um, I'm trying to think right now. I believe I played Graveyard the first game. He's not wrong. I think, yeah, I think you are correct. <laughs> but not what did you play,
0: but more so how did you play it? It's very specific, actually. This is a very specific question. And it's something that Joe and I talked about for days after it happened. Okay. I'll throw you, a, I'll throw you another softball. It may or may not involve a chair and not having one. Oh, <laughs>
2: yes, yes. I understand now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So going in, I thought there would be chairs, right? But they told us <laughs> like we'd go in that day and then we found out that there wasn't chairs and they told us that they wanted us to stand up. And I was thinking, I don't think there's any way I can play on an iPad while standing up because usually I'm actually sitting on the floor while playing this game. So even a chair might be a slight adjustment for me. So I just sat down and started playing. Dude, when you sat down and started playing, I literally, I I, I put my phone
0: down because I was watching it live on Twitch. Uh I put my phone down and I literally just started applauding you. Boss move. (laughs) That was such a boss move. I'm pretty sure we tweeted that we wanted them
1: uh, to give give you guys a log to sit on. (laughs) A chair, a podium, or at
0: least a log. Without the spikes, obviously. Yeah, a
2: nice, comfy, plush log. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) For sure. But... One thing that we were always wondering is how do you prepare for these finals? So, I mean, throughout the course of the matches, you said that you were preparing all the time
2: with a bunch of Mm -hmm. different people. So what was that like? Who did you prepare with? How did you practice? What's that regiment like for you? So the fun thing about it was because we all played Clash Royale, we all became friends very quickly. So just like while talking or going anywhere and just hanging out, we were always kind of on our phones messing around. Um, But I actually had some designated practice sessions with Donkey Kong and Atchun who uh, Achen actually just won the Latin America one, and Donkey Kong has a very good chance of winning it next week. So we would have like designated practices, and we would just go all out. And what does all out entail? We would go for like six hours at a time, just wow. nonstop practicing, discussing strategies. We would go outside, hit up a Starbucks, and then come back. Really? So it's like a break.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you guys like pick specific decks that you want to make sure that you play against, or do you have like... I don't know, like, how you figure it out. Like, I know when I'm playing Joe, mm-hmm. I never want him to play a
2: deck that's going to destroy me because I just don't want <laughs> it. That's too. That's not fair. Oh, yeah, I have that same thing. So pretty much what we do is we try to analyze our biggest opponent that we fear the most, and we try to recognize patterns in their play from the previous week. And then we try to kind of build a deck around that, and then we practice it against those matchups. And you just... Rep-
0: repeatedly practice 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 those matchups until you can play against their patterns well enough so i guess my question is when you're playing against donkey Kong or Achen, are they mm-hmm. trying to mimic how that other person plays so they're not technically playing their style of play but your future opponent's style of play yeah that's exactly what
1: we do and so you guys definitely know each other very very well clearly <laughs> i could never play like joe
0: I don't even know how I play, let alone how (laughs) I analyze how somebody else plays and try and mimic that. Yeah. No, but that is super regimented. I mean, six hours at a time, take a break, go to Starbucks, refresh, and then come back and do it again. Do you wear sweatbands when you're
1: uh,
2: you're playing? Do you feel like you get a little sweaty, drink a lot of Powerade? Uh, Not so much, actually. I know some other players do, but... (laughs) Very intense. (laughs) I remember one night getting back at like... 2am to my hotel room. I think it was the night before the finals. Just because of practicing? Yeah. I don't sleep that much in general um, before nights of competitions. So I would get anywhere from one to three hours on most nights before the competition. You just get antsy? Yeah. That's insane. Well, clearly all that preparation paid off because you were able to
0: 3-0 see McHugh. I'd say. But Ox, one thing that I noticed when you were winning those games is that you seem so calm, cool, and collected. The entire time. Like you're mm-hmm. sitting up there on that stage and you're just like you're just like a G up there on that chair. Uh-huh. <laughs> what's going through your mind when that's happening? Like what's what are you thinking? Are you are you really that cool?
2: Or mm-hmm. like are you like, oh my the preparation paid off, or are you nervous? Actually, like if I think about it too much, I definitely get nervous. But actually during playing the game, most of the time I'm not that nervous. I just try to focus on the game. And me, Donkey Kong, and we were all talking about this, how almost we felt like on stage, we all played better to some extent. I don't know exactly why that is, but we felt like we have all the time in the world to just really concentrate. Interesting.
0: With like nobody in your ear telling you what to do or what moves
2: are coming up next. It's just, just, it's kind of like riding a bike. It's just, you kind of like, just let it go. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can take this moment and really try to make it yours.
1: Do you find that knowing that people are spectating and watching you makes you play better because i feel like i wind up playing better in the game when i notice the little eye up in the top right hand corner and i see a Mm. number start showing up when people are watching me i get a little nervous but i think that's natural But I also Uh find that I wind up playing better, and then especially when I realize that they're on my team and they're rooting for me and throwing my confetti, I get really excited. So I wonder if that has something to do
0: with it.
2: Yeah. So when people first started like spectating me, even when I just first started playing the game, I would get a little bit nervous because you feel a little bit of pressure. Um, But I think over time that feeling kind of subsides, and you just kind of deal with it. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: I guess one question that I've always wondered is like, how do you? Did you come into this game knowing? what decks you wanted to use in which matches or did you figure that out on the fly
2: with the match with sima um i had a game plan set but once i was actually there i changed it but i still had a good idea it was like similar but a little bit different you want to give us a little glimpse
1: into that what what does that actually mean yeah you can't you can't just
0: like you can't just like give us half the spoonful
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was some teaser i need the whole story here (laughs) Yeah, so basically going into this match, um, everyone knows me as a graveyard player, so I knew I had to practice something that no one was expecting. Uh, Some people actually came up to me after the previous weeks, and they noticed that every time I would lose a game, I almost always played Giant the next game. So that was like a very recognizable pattern, and so I realized I needed to play a deck that no one was expecting me to play, and I actually ended up playing that deck almost every single game which was the P.E.K.K.A. Beatdown. And I did about maybe 20 grand challenges with that deck the week before. Wow. Just so you know, I think I've entered a total of five ever in my life grand (laughs) challenges.
0: So 20 in one week
2: is probably excessive for me. (laughs) Yeah. I would wake up and do one. Then right before I go to bed, I would do one and practice in between. That's amazing. Well, clearly the practice
1: paid off. All right. So I have a question. So now that you actually lived it and breathed it, how do you feel that that tournament went, and like how do you feel the direction this game is going is working out? Like as an eSport, do you feel like it's moving in the right direction? Do you Do you think that there are things that could possibly be changed for the next set of
2: tournaments? Like what's your overall opinion here? I feel like this tournament as pretty much the first actual competitive tournament. I know that the North American Open was competitive to an extent. But they did have the arena battles where they had all these crazy contraptions going on at the same time. Um, I think they're doing a pretty decent job. I would like to see it be a little bit more of a team sport, maybe. I feel like most uh, games like this, they just do better in general as a uh, uh, a team sport. Um, I don't know if that would be like 3v3 and you have teams of three or something like that. But I feel like being able to represent your team a little bit more and have that play a bigger factor. I think that would make it a little bit more interesting. And by a team sport, you're
0: basically referring to, like, those, like, Rob and I see all over the place, mostly on Twitch, um, like, all these little leagues that are going around, like, like, RPL, Clash Wars, um, CRL, things like that, where you basically have a bunch of different types of formats, but you play 1v1 battles, but you're on a team of three or five people. And, you know, all of you have to win before you win a game, or, you know, you rack up points before you, you win the whole thing. You don't mean like 2v2 in the game mode, but rather the way those leagues are currently
2: set up, right? Exactly, yeah. I do think 2v2 does have competitive potential, but it definitely needs a lot of rebalancing. That's interesting that you say that. So like what rebalancing would you, would you say? So right now in two v two, like definitely a lot of different things are working, but I feel like spell cycle is way too prevalent. Um, It's basically the meta right now. So you'll actually see people who literally just cycle rockets on the tower. Yes, I do see that all the time. Actually, that and the log and
1: a
0: fireball and and arrows
1: (laughs) and every other spell possible.
0: I wonder. I wonder if I don't know if this is like an option, but I wonder if like putting in two v two battles diminishing returns on the spell use would help
2: save that yeah i think something along those lines um i don't know exactly how it would work but it definitely needs some kind of balancing right because otherwise if it's not
0: fun to watch and it's less strategy then people won't watch it as much exactly
1: that's true maybe one of the things that they could do is they could limit how many spells are allowed in each deck so that way when you press the 2v2 button It just analyzes the deck real quick, and it's like, nope, can't use this deck. You need to
2: have less spells. That was actually an idea that my coach for Frontage had. Ooh, see? Great minds think alike. Yeah. (laughs) So, Oxley, one more
0: thing before we get into the deck spotlight and an awesome deck explanation. Mm -hmm. As you said before, most of our listeners are the casual player, just like us. If you could give your top two or three or just your top tips for the Mm -hmm. casual player, those people like us
2: that are just trying to get better at the game, what would the what would those be i would say the number one tip would to really watch a lot of twitch and a lot of youtube especially twitch because where with youtube you always see basically people don't want to show their losses uh with twitch you can see like really good players streaming their games and you see them lose you see them win so you can kind of learn from it in that way another tip would be to analyze your replays i think that's one of the most important things even if you yourself can't understand what you did wrong, maybe asking someone else or seeking someone who's more experienced with the game. So that's actually really interesting that you say that because Joe and I are huge advocates
1: for uh, going and looking at your replays. Mm-hmm. Um, and while Joe is away a couple of weeks ago, um, I actually ran an experiment in our clan and it was called Replay Madness. So the mm-hmm. goal was to get everybody to share a game whether they won or lost. And if, especially if they lost, To ask for help and reach out to people to see if they can get some tips and some help on how to actually make their deck work a little bit better. So
0: I think uh, you're absolutely correct. That's definitely my number one thing. Yeah, and I really love the watching the 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 Twitch because you you bring up a really good point. I mean, I watch Twitch all the time, but I also watch YouTube. And your point was that when people post YouTube videos, most of the time they're posting their wins, the perfect scenario, the perfect game, and Mm -hmm. nine times out of ten, those scenarios don't happen. (laughs) And so, and to be honest, I find you learn more when you lose or from watching somebody else's mistakes and kind of taking those and learning from them and getting better. So two super, super solid tips, and we, we cannot wait to continue to apply them.
1: All right. So with all of that behind us, let's move on to our deck spotlight. Deck spotlight. So this deck is lovingly called the Giant Skeleton, and it is the deck that you used when you were at CCGS, correct? Yes. All right, so it is a 3.6 average elixir cost deck, and it contains the Giant Skeleton, Ice Golem, the Tombstone, Poison, the Log, Electro Wizard, the Graveyard, and the Archers. So, Ox, if you could just give us like a nice, what we call a deck explanation of how you actually play this deck, and then maybe some tips on how to deal with decks that maybe it doesn't work too well against.
2: Okay, so yeah, uh, this deck is very control-oriented. So at the very beginning, you never want to open up with, say, an Ice in Graveyard. So with this deck, you it's not really like Splash Yard where you counter-push, because most of the time uh, when you try to counter-push, your giant skeleton dies, and you're really not left with that much. So the way I use this deck is... I typically just kind of put cards in the back or wait for my opponent to play their first move. And then once they attack, once I defend, then I know I can go in for a push. Got it. And when you're playing this deck, do you, do you typically wait for specific times of
0: the match to use cards like your graveyard? Or does it not really matter what portion, whether it's single elixir, double elixir time or overtime, rather? I mean, is there a specific way to play the deck throughout each phase of the match or is it you play it the same way the whole time
2: so it's very opportunity based so once they attack once you defend i would go right in with an ice golem graveyard assuming that they don't have too much elixir or if your giant skeleton does somehow survive let's say at the very beginning of the match they place a golem in the back which typically isn't a very good move Um, if you're playing like a cheap graveyard cycle you would go opposite lane with this deck, I would put Giant Skeleton in the back, then put a Tombstone, slowly defend, and then counter push. So would the Tombstone be
1: going on the side that your Giant Skeleton is going down as well, or would it be
2: going down the other side to block? Um, there's a placement on the right or left hand side, so it's like all the way, and it pulls uh, a tank just enough, so it's the best placement. So, like if the Golem is attacking the left hand side, you'd pull it the furthest to the right. It's
0: like a f- exactly. four tiles to the right and two tiles up placement.
2: Yeah. And the giant skeleton doesn't really take out too much of the tank itself. It just takes out all of the support. There's very rare circumstances where you can actually get it to the tower, even though if you do manage that, it's it feels very good. Um, <laughs> but most of the time, uh, you use it defensively. You're going to rely on its bomb to explode. So let's say they have a giant with a night witch behind it, and you have the giant skeleton. Anything else that they play is pretty much dead, because the giant skeleton bomb will go off and destroy everything. Right. That's really interesting. But most of the
0: time you said that you defend with this thing. But in the CCGS tournament for your second win, you actually played it offensively with the graveyard and it tanked for the graveyard.
2: So Uh what what was the choice there? So in that circumstance, I was expecting a Three Musketeer deck, which is why I played the Giant Skeleton, because all my decks are centered around poison. And if you use something like a Three Musketeer heal, it's very, very good against poison decks. It's almost a free win in many circumstances. So I was expecting CMQ to play something along those lines, and you actually pulled out a graveyard cycle deck. So there really isn't too much of function for the Giant Skeleton in that matchup, since I mm-hmm. mainly use it defensively. Um, in that game, I realized I had already used my Ice Gomb on defense, so and I really needed to make a push, because I think I was losing the initial part of the game, even though it wasn't by that much. So I used the graveyard and the Giant Skeleton uh, to tank for it as a secondary tank which was the one advantage i had over the
0: deck it's interesting that you say that you were waiting for the three musketeer drop because you didn't play the giant skeleton until double elixir time came up, came across yeah. and it was the last card that you played and i think everybody thought that you were just geniusly saving it for double elixir time so that you could just surprise everyone but in reality mm-hmm. you were just prepping for the three musketeers and then used it to your advantage when you when you could
2: well, at the like right before the match, I thought it might be three musketeers, but once the match actually started, I knew it wasn't going to be uh, just because I saw the poison and the graveyard. And then the reason I used the giant skeleton on offense was I had just used my ice golem uh, and I needed something else to tank for it. And I realized he was low on elixir, so I thought there's not really that much he can do to counter the graveyard and the giant skeleton and he still didn't know I had it inside the deck. I wish all of those thoughts
0: could go through my thought
2: process when I'm playing <laughs>
0: games. Like, <laughs> I just can't think that fast. I know, but it's great to hear it. Um, but this deck is really, really solid, and just watching you play it in that game was just tremendous. Like I said, when, when, the, when it finally came out that the giant skeleton was in it, it was like a slam dunk. I almost threw my phone across the room. I was just like, all right, it's <laughs> over. Game's yeah. over. Game's over. So what kind of decks does this deck not work against, right? So it clearly works pretty well against Three Musketeer-type decks. It Mm -hmm. clearly works well against Graveyard Cycle decks because you won against it. But is there any deck that this deck wouldn't really work so well against that people should kind of watch out for? Or maybe a specific card?
2: Yeah, so one of the matchups that's kind of difficult is if it's a really fast Graveyard Cycle deck. Even though you do have a secondary tank, it's really hard to outcycle them. Um, I would say the worst matchup is probably Lava Loon, because you really have nothing to take out the balloon. Ooh, yeah,
1: that's a really good point.
2: Sounds yeah. deadly. Yeah, but in this meta, not many people use Lava Hound. It's basically not present at all, unless you're playing in a challenge or on ladder. Uh, it's just not very strong with all the Night Witches. So the reason I used this deck uh, was because I was expecting something like Three Musketeers or something like Bridge Spam, as many people refer to it, where they're just putting a lot of different things at the bridge. So basically, I decided to use this deck because I thought it was very versatile in this meta and almost nobody would expect it. Well, clearly, it was a smart decision on your part, sir. <laughs> Boom. Boom.
0: Boom!
1: <laughs> yes! Totally (laughs) unsolicited. That was fantastic. And seriously, dude, thank you so much um, for the deck spotlight. That was amazing. Um, And I think it's going to help a lot of people move up, especially in today's meta. Like you said, the Night Witch is uh, pretty prevalent, Mm -hmm. so there's not too many Lava Loons. And uh, maybe I'll try it, because I have
0: every one of these cards. Oh, you have (laughs) to try it. I will certainly be trying it. But Oxalate... As Rob just mentioned, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the cast. We truly appreciate your insight. It's been such an amazing experience having you on the show. If our listeners want to reach out to you or our listeners want to find you, what is the best way they can do so?
2: Probably the best way would be on Twitter. You can follow me at Oxalate Gaming.
1: Awesome. And we will put that link in the show notes for anybody that just uh, wants to tap into Twitter and then they can uh, shoot some love notes to Oxalate. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. Thank you for joining us. This was fantastic. Boom. All right. So we got a handful of reviews this week, uh, 11 to be exact. So we will read out two of them. The first one is from Dren13, who writes, One of the best Clash Royale podcasts, and they are from the United States. The hosts are brothers and they seem like best friends. Makes me wish I had a brother. Their enthusiasm for doing this podcast comes through in their preparation and execution of the podcast. Really great people, and I wish them the best. Keep up the fantastic show.
0: You know, this review is a really good review, but I think he got one thing wrong. I mean, we are brothers. He says we are we seem like we're best friends, but I don't really like you that much. It's <laughs>
1: really, really <laughs> funny. Dude, did, did I tell you that I showed this to mom? I read this to mom, and she cried.
0: Really? Yeah. Of course. Come on. She's like waterworks. Dude, he wrote that he wishes he had a brother because of how we are. That is... So touching. And, Dren, thank you so much for the kind words. That is honestly one of the highest compliments that Rob and I ever have received on this podcast. We are super thankful to have each other and our relationship. And we truly appreciate the fact that you listen to the show and you love what we do. Boom. Boom. And then the next one is from Sebi Ninja from Australia. Sebi Ninja? How would you say it in an Australian accent? I think I just tried it but failed miserably. I'll try it again. Try it again. Sebi ninja. Sebi ninja. Go to the outback. Back. (laughs) Get the bobby. (laughs) Don't even say, put another shrimp on the bobby. Every single Australian person out there right now is just shaking their heads and they're like, Joe, stop. They
1: really don't like us. They're like, you guys are absolutely brothers because you're both terrible. (laughs) But they can't knock us for trying. Right. That's true. So without further ado, Sebi writes, I don't even play Clash Royale. (laughs) Hi, Cast Royale. I never usually played Clash Royale, but one day my friend was listening to your podcast, so I tried it out. Now, in two months, I made it to Hog Mountain, and because of your podcast, I can happily play Clash Royale casually. Keep up the good work. Also, shout out to my friend Cohen from Seb. Cohen from Seb.
0: Sebby Ninja. Dude, we got someone to play just from listening to the show. They never even played before. Doesn't even play Clash Royale, Sebby Ninja. Oh man, you need to stop. (laughs) He can't stop, guys. Can't stop, won't stop. Cannot believe that we got someone to play Clash Royale that doesn't even play the game. Just listened to the podcast, picked up the game afterwards, and actually made it to Hog Mountain. Keep up the great work, man. Keep up the good climb. And sooner than later, you will be at the Legendary Arena. Boom. Boom. And huge shout outs to
1: Boshida99, Hetkaniet from the Netherlands, Watson142, Epic Man 516 from the United Kingdom.
0: Good luck with this name, dude.
1: <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. It's,
0: uh, gurfa hurticursa nerfa Fuh. <laughs> I was waiting for the F at the end. That was perfect. It's pronounced well, well beyond anything I could have ever done. I tried. For, uh, d- uh, and, and they're from Australia. Try that with an accent. Not even going to think about it.
1: hmm And continuing with Dealkey123. Killer Keemstar 420 and
0: Bobby Bob21. Bobby Bob21 Boom.
1: Thank you guys so much for leaving us iTunes reviews. We say it all the time. It is the number one way you can help us reach more people. Um so we greatly, greatly appreciate it. It means more to us than you'll ever know.
0: Boom. Mm-hmm. And we got a couple of patrons this week, Joe. Yeah, we did. And those two people are Andrea Linder and Andrew Bayer. So a huge shout out to the two of you. Thank you so, so much from the bottom of our hearts for supporting what we do, donating your hard-earned money to support the show so that we can continue to deliver fresh, new, awesome, fun, and friendly content for all of our listeners. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. Boom. And a huge shout out to
1: our Lotto Royale winner, Gary Powers, who won an iTunes gift card. How does Lotto Royale work, Rob? So as long as you are a current patron supporting the show, you are automatically entered into our Lotta Royale system. And at the beginning of every month, we draw a name from the hat and we
0: have some cool prizes for our patrons. That's right. So once again, Gary Powers, thank you so much for your support. We hope you enjoy the gift card and congrats on winning. Boom. Boom.
1: And that pretty much does it for the show. Since we're going kind of long. I'm just going to say that all the information that we usually talk about at the end of the show is in the show notes. You can look for it. Join our
0: Discord, leave a review, send us an email, and check out our YouTube channel. Totally agree. This episode was nothing short of a hodgepodge of everything.
1: And we want to give a huge thank you once again and shout out to Oxley for joining us on the show this evening. We had a great time. Thank you so much for all of the insight.
0: It is Definitely appreciated. That's right. That deck is going to be super, super helpful for so many people. And we would love to wish you the very best of luck in CCGS. Not only NA, because that's over and done with, but for the global ranking of number one in the world. To you and Hollywood Hammers, boom. Boom. So if there's nothing else,
1: we will see you next time for another HodgePodge of
0: everything! Hodgepodge of everything! Boom! Bye! Bye! Bye.